So welcome to Faith on Fire, where Jesus is exalted, Satan is defeated, and your faith is ignited. We once again want to encourage you and invite you to sit around the global bonfire as we dive deeper into the Word of God. And what are we exploring tonight? Well, we are exploring the question of what God thinks about when He thinks about you. Now, for us to explore that and uh, for us to unpack that, we must look to the Bible. We must search the Scriptures to see what God says and His Word says about this question of what God thinks about when He thinks about you. So, so many people would rather look for answers about spiritual things and never seek out the answer in the right place. They'd rather seek it and search it on a search engine like Google or the internet and explore all those options and never actually go to the Word of God. Or some people would rather, well, let's just ask the pastor what he thinks about this. Now, that's not a bad place to go. And in fact, I think it's okay to even search things out on the internet and Google, but the best place, see, all those are good places. They're good sources. But oftentimes what gets projected into those is man's opinion and man's interpretation. But when you seek the scriptures, when you seek out the face of God through the word of God, then that is when you are going to discover the answer. So the best practice is always seek out the word of God. That's the best practice. See, there's good, there's better, and then there is the best. And the best is the Word of God. Now, when we seek answers in the Bible, it is always important for us to seek out those answers by analyzing the Scriptures by Scripture. Now, in other words, let me get a little bit, little bit of a clarification on that. In other words, we will look at Scripture in light of Scripture. What does that mean? Someone, let me break that down to you a little bit. That means this. You don't hang your hat on a single Scripture. If you can find that there are a multitude or many verses that address that situation or that issue, over and over again in the Word of God, then you can place your bottom dollar. You can take that to the bank that that is the consistency of what God's Word says. And when you base your belief on the consistency of God's Word, that is, my friend, the answer. That is where you need to place your faith. And that is when, when your faith will come on fire. It's whenever you seek out Scripture in light of Scripture and you get revelation from the Word of God. So without further ado, let's unpack this question, what God thinks about when He thinks about you. So first things first, I don't think that God ever stops thinking about His children. I'm, 
a father myself, and I don't stop thinking about my children. So let's look at the Word of God. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says this, I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. Forever, folks. He wants to be and abide with you. That word abide means to come and dwell on the inside of you. Now, he goes on to say this uh, in another scripture. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. He says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you and will not leave you nor... So, as we're unpacking this question of what God thinks about when He thinks about you, let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is what it says in the Amplified Version. It says this, For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and of well-being, and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear you. I will hear your voice, and I will listen to you. The Word of God is full of encouraging words. Just like in Joshua 1.9, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Old Testament and the New Testament, and even today, this means that God wants His children to prosper. You know, even John prayed a prayer in John, the third John. In the first chapter, the second verse, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. This was the very heart. This is the very heart of God that we prosper, not just physically, but but first and foremost in our soul. But he means for it to be in all facets of our life, not just our soul, because he wants it to translate from the inside out. The every essence of our being is that God, He so wants us to prosper, and it's so embedded in the Word of God in, in, in so many ways. And I wish I just could express it in such a way to help you get it more and more. And I hope that these podcasts help you get the idea that God wants good things for you. He wants the best for you. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities, and I don't think it's a very far stretch to consider this and come to this very conclusion that the same things that God wants for you are the same things that He thinks about you. (laughs) We look at the 23rd Psalms, which was written by King David, and he was a man after God's own heart. 
I mean, if you look in Acts chapter 13, 22, it talks about King David, David being a man after God's own heart. But in this scripture, in the 23rd Psalms, it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Amplified Version puts it like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or lack any good thing. God has always been in the business of bringing people into what God wants for them and their lives. From the very beginning, God did not want his people to be slaves. He wanted to bring them out of Egypt. He wanted, God is always wanting us to be on a better level. And right here, this is a, the Psalms of David, and, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He knew exactly what that job title was because before he was King David, he was shepherd boy David. He was a shepherd boy. He was a shepherd over his father's flock, and he knew exactly what that job entailed and what that job meant. And what was the job of a shepherd? It is to take care of the flock's every need, from feeding to guiding to sheltering and protecting. That is what a shepherd's job is. And God doesn't want us to lack any good thing. You know, in fact, the scripture goes on to say this in verse 2. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen, the grass is always the greenest on God's side. The grass doesn't get any greener, folks. God wants the best for you. And it's ridiculous to think that God does not want us to prosper because I believe from, from Genesis all the way to the end, there in Revelation, God wants his people to prosper. You know, the one thing that God tells us is, is this. If God wasn't interested in the prosperity of his, of his people, why does God say this? Why does God's word say in Malachi, does it say this? It says this. In Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a great blessing until there's not room enough to receive it or contain it. He goes on to say in verse 11 that he will rebuke the devourer for our sake. And he goes on to use some phrasing there. And you can check that out for yourself. But why would God say, now test me in this. Test me in the fact to see if I won't prosper you. I dare you to give. Because when you give, I'm going to pour out a blessing for you. Now, that's a whole sermon for a different day, but what I want us to see is that God is so interested in prospering his people so very much. 
It goes on to say in verse 2 that he leads us by still waters. Now, what is still waters is, is that it's not troubled waters. It's peaceful waters. He, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us by still waters. Those waters are just calm, peaceful. You know, Jesus said this. He says this to his people that he gives peace, not as the world gives peace. I leave you peace. He says that in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Listen, we have a choice in the matter of whether we're going to be afraid or we're going to be worried or we're going to let our hearts be troubled. Why would it say do not let? Because you can let your heart be troubled. You can let worry. You can let fear creep into your life. But if you refuse to allow it to creep into your life, listen, you can refuse it. You know, if, if fear tries to creep into my life, the first thing I say is, is this. Lord, I know, I, you know, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to have fear. First of all, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but praise God. Thank him. Hallelujah. He has given us a spirit of power of love and a sound mind. A sound mind does not allow things to creep in. It looks at it and it stares fear in the face and says, I will not be afraid. You're not going to pick on me today, fear. I'm not allowing you in my life. I have no room for you in my life. And I will not allow you to. Because you can honestly, straight up, you can let fear dominate you. But we have a choice. Do not let. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. It goes on to say here in Psalms 23 in the third verse, it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I want us to look at this very first portion before it says that he leads us in paths of righteousness, which is very important. But he does not lead us in paths of righteousness for our sake. It's for his name's sake. But let's look at the very first portion of that where it says, He restores my soul. Because I think this is very important. He wants our soul to prosper. Let's let's hearken back to what John said. His prayer was this, this that what what did John say in his prayer was that he wanted us, he prayed that you may prosper and in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers. See, God wants to restore your soul. Now, what is your soul? Because, you know, soul and spirit are two different things. When God created man, he created man in his image. Three parts. We think of God in, in, in light of, of the tr Holy Trinity, but he made us in three parts. He made us body, soul, and spirit. Now, the soul and the spirit are not the same thing, but they are inseparable. Okay? Now, let's look at what soul, like, let's kind of unpack soul, you know. 
because we can get into the the spirit thing. But that's how God communicates and connects. But that's what God brings alive is your 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 spirit. He's redeeming your soul, but he brings alive your spirit because you're dead in your spirit. He brings you to life. But that that's a whole thing for another another podcast. But in this one, I want us to see this that he restores our soul our soul is our mind our emotions and our will if we want to break it down to the most simple factors or the simplest terms mind emotional will man let me tell you the world is upside down with all this stuff floating around in their heads their minds their emotions and their wills they're driven by those things they're soulish people they are carnal people carnal people are soulish people a soul man is a man that is is driven by his mind his emotions and his will now on the other hand god wants to restore that to his rightful place your mind, your emotions, and your will all start in the mind. And God wants to restore your mind to the way it's supposed to be. And the way he does this is is because we have to get in the word of God so deep that it transforms our very mind. How do you renew your mind? It's through the word of God. This is so very important, folks. This is so very important that we understand that God is a soul restorer. But he also leads us in paths of righteousness, not for our sake, but for his sake. Did you know that the scriptures even say that God saved you for a purpose? Yes. God saved you, not just so that you can go to heaven, but for his sake. God saved you for his sake. It's a fact. And he alludes to this right here in this very passage. I lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. And then he goes on to say, say, goes on to say this in verse 4 of the 23rd Psalms. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is the rod and the staff? That is the word of God. Your word in your spirit, they comfort me. But he goes on to say this in the first or fifth verse, rather. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> Listen, folks. And what this means is, and I, I, I didn't think of this. I got this. I'm not for sure what pastor brought this out, but I thought it was very interesting. And it kind of brought light um, to this particular scripture because I always wondered, why in the world would God prepare a table in the presence of my enemies? And who is my, who are my enemies? Who is my enemies? But nevertheless, we'll, we'll correct our grammar as we go along. Who are my enemies? What, what, anything that sets itself in opposition of what God's word says about you, that they are your enemy. Your enemy is everything that God doesn't want for you. That is your enemy. And that is the very place 
or the very thing that God is setting this table in front of and the presence of your enemy. Now listen, is your enemy flesh and blood? Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse, verse 10 and following tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and, and powers of wickedness and darkness, right? So it's not flesh and blood. What is our enemy? Our enemy is cancer. Our enemy is poverty. Our enemy is all these things that wants to set itself above God in our life and what God wants for us. That is your enemy. And God is preparing a table before me in the presence of the enemy. It's like, listen, this is what he's doing. And I believe it was Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, that said this. I, I believe he might fact check me on it. I don't care, whatever. It's not, it's not my, my th- necessarily my thought, so it's not an original idea with me. But it is this. It is very profound. God is setting out a big bowl of blessing for you. God is setting out a big plate of health God is setting all these wonderful things out on the table in the presence of your enemies, and they're not invited to dine. They can't have any of it. But you get to enjoy that in front of them. Yes, that's very powerful. And I think it is wonderful to have that imagery. He goes on to say that that the Lord anoints his head with oil and his cup runs over. So let's look at this anointing for just a moment here. Because what I want us to see is, I want us to see the power of the anointing of God. What? So let's go to uh, uh, Isaiah 10, chapter 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, rather. Let's, let's turn there in our Bibles, and it says this. So it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders and the and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Who is he talking about? Again, he is talking about your and my enemy that is trying to put all these burdens on us. But see, that burden has been lifted and the yoke has been destroyed in such a way that it is never, ever able to be put back together in a fashion that can fit you or me. The anointing, a very powerful thing, absolutely. It is a burden-lifting, yoke-destroying anointing that God has placed upon our lives. And we can honestly say that our heads have been anointed with oil and our cups runneth over. In verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where are the people that are saying that? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think that is something for us to be saying about ourselves today. In fact, this whole 
passage here in the 23rd Psalms is a Psalms for today. It's for me. It's for you. It is for us to have and believe that the Lord is our shepherd, that he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Shout that from the rooftops. Live that in your life. Rest on the promise that endures forever. And that is the word of God. Listen, we can follow this 23rd Psalms up with this. Because it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We talked about how he is a protector. I want you, this is a challenge to you, to go to Psalms 91 and read that and see what all you're protected from. So in closing, what does God think about when he thinks about you? Jeremiah 29, 11. Thoughts that I have thought toward you, that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Our hope is in Him. So until next time, I want you to rest in the promises of God. We love you. We thank you for joining us. And we hope that this has been an encouraging message from the Word of God. Keep your head up. Keep on keeping on. And let your faith soar to new heights. Amen.